Logos Naki, a world without rationality. In many ways, it's a perfect description of the world we currently live in, and it is a perfect description of the Helsing anime, or at least the way I always felt about it, because before re-watching it, and even during the times I had visited prior to in the past, I had very mixed feelings about it. Not It wasn't because I didn't appreciate the style in which the show was told and framed. I actually think the original 13-episode TV series was much better than the Ultimate series. But then again, I might just be biased because I haven't watched the entire Ultimate series. I've only watched like the first one, two, three, five, four or five episodes, and I did enjoy them, but as a guilty pleasure, given the violence and the action that they exemplified. But when it came to the Helsing TV series, I felt that there was a greater level of sophistication. At the same time, though, because I heard certain rumors regarding the way the narrative was handled and how it was, how it was handled in comparison to the manga, which it diverted from greatly, while still keeping some elements of faith. I didn't really know what to think about it because I felt that there was something inconclusive about it. But then when you start to think about the idea of narratives, stories, life, is, there, is anything ever really based on any measure of closure? I mean, I hate to give an asshole like Anderson Cooper credit, but he did... There, he did have his moments of brilliance at one point. When he, I mean, I remember he once did an interview with the late writer Christopher Hitchens, who I had a lot of admiration for, and he stated to him that uh, the idea that uh, Christopher Hitchens didn't want his life to end or his, the relationship with his mother to be, uh, have some sense of closure. And he and Anderson Cooper said that closure just has such a TV word to it. It was very, I mean, it's kind of sad watching that interview, not just because I had a lot of admiration for Hitchens and how he was taking his death very in a very intellectually mature manner, which a lot of people have not been able to teach themselves to do, but I was also fascinated by how Anderson Cooper approached the matter. It seems like he said something that was genuinely honest, given the corporate media apparatus he serves, as opposed to being authentic. And he did say, and when he said the TV, that closure is such a TV word, it's true. But it's also rather, it just feels kind of redundant because are we ever truly finished with anything that sticks in our minds? Is, does life truly have a sense of closure? Even after somebody dies, the memory of them lives on in the people that, that cared about them the most. And hell, even Keanu Reeves put this very well when he was asked by that idiot Stephen Cobell. Colbert, my mistake. What do you think happens after we die? As if Keanu Reeves would have all the answers to the universe. And, I mean, the look he gave him, I mean, to the grace and maturity of Keanu Reeves, he was able to make Stephen Colbert look less like an idiot. He said, I believe that the people who love us most will miss us. So, even after a person dies, there is no real sense of closure. Their memory does live on in the people they care about the most. And I know this is a, way, a strange way to approach an anime like Helsing. But for those who are, have seen the show and obviously see that the show ends on a very ambiguous note, note 
while leaving a lot of questions unanswered. I often felt that that, was, that worked against the narrative, but actually, that rather helps it. And it's not just the style of the show, but it's just the, the, ran, the sheer randomness that des- describes, that defines the narrative. There is some structure in the sense that it's not just simply about a show about a, about a secret paranormal organization working within the British government for, the, for Her Majesty. It's really just an intricate web of conspiracies and espionage, a lack of clarity, because I don't really know much about the Helsing manga. I know that the main antagonist is an organization known as Millennium, which is like some vampiric Nazi-based organization. And to some extent, there's parts of that in the original TV series where artificial vampires are being made by some shadowy organization creating what are known as freak chips that change reg- can change a person into artificial vampires. Now, as to whether that is Millennium or not, it's never made clear. I mean, they do have the Valentine brothers who are part of Millennium within Helsing. But again, because the show leaves so many questions open to interpretation and because it is its own interpretation as well, as opposed to being completely faithful to the manga source of which it was based off, you can only second guess as to what is really going on. But because this show is told from the perspective of multiple characters, and I think Sarah's Victoria, the, the character that is turned by Alucard, the badass mascot of the series, into a vampire. I think she's the best, the best example of the, of, oh, well, in some sense, she is the protagonist because the story, for the most part, is told from her point of view because she is the novice. She is the person who has been introduced into this world she didn't know about. So in many ways, we're being introduced to this world while not really knowing what's going on. And although there are times where the narrative shifts perspective, whether it's from her to Integra Helsing, or even to Alucard, who in my my sense is not a freedom, well, he's such a mystery as a character that calling him three-dimensional, but also one, one note would be counterintuitive because I do believe that he is complex, but in a way where he's not meant to be understood. He's just presented in a way where we can only guess and make, and make our own interpretation of how we feel, what kind of person he is. Because, as I said, there's a lot of irrationality that defines the narrative of the show, the characters, and the nature. But it's not irrationality for the sake of irrationality. It's more like as a way of posing the question as to what is rationality. And then I'm bring, I, I'll use another example by Christopher Hitchens when he was debating this Christian pastor who told him, what about logic? Isn't that man-made? And he, and he admitted it. He even said logic is man-made. It is, and he, but he further delineated on how logic is the attempt to organize, to create some sense of structure within within the civility that defines us as a species that is a social animal and that's worked for us in the, for the most part in a good way granted it's also been it's also been misused in so many ways that it's actually warranted some of the most irrationally and potentially inherently evil actions 
which the human species can be guilty of. So, there's a, as I mentioned, there's a lot of fucked up shit that goes on in the TV series Helsing, especially with the conspiracy of this shadowy organization that we don't really know entirely who they are, what their ultimate goal is. But because it's working within a world that is shrouded in mystery, secrecy, betrayal, a lot of political circle jerking, given that it is this, at this because although Integra of Helsing, the head of the Helsing organization, is deeply in get embedded in working within the British government, there are also other factions of that, gov that same British government that don't like her organization. So there is no real true loyalty. There's only cooperation, incentive, and the benefits that each of those members can provide for each other. And if that means eliminating another member of their group for their benefit, they're willing to do it. And it's never truly made clear who it is at the end of the show, especially near the last few episodes, where they introduce a villain that... At, I mean, at first, I've always felt that the introduction of Incognito was just random. But then again, as I mentioned, because the show is, I mean, the main song, the opening theme of the show is called Logos Naki, which means a world without rationality, where things just happen sometimes. And all you can really do is move forward and try to make as much sense of it as possible. And although that could be a cheap way of me justifying my new approach of looking at the introduction of a character like Incognito, it is, it is rather brilliant because when he's first introduced and he gives his name to Alucard, Alucard brilliantly says, so you say you're nobody? Well, I guess my name itself is a mystery of its own. But he's not just simply referring to his name so much as his identity because when I mentioned earlier, just a few minutes ago, as to Alucard not being three-dimensional or one-note, and more being a mystery that is not meant to be understood, in many ways, you could say that the show itself, the narrative, the characters, openly admit that maybe all their actions are essentially just all part of an attempt to further understand why they go on, despite all the random, unfair shit has happened to them. And although Sarah's Victoria could be seen as a more rational character as opposed to the others, given that she's the one that's a little a little mind-fucked in seeing what she's seeing, and in many ways still acting hesitant in all the ways that a human being would be given if they were put in a situation similar to the one she's in. But then again, you still get the sense that she's, partic she's willfully participating in this organization and the acceptance that she's been turned into a vampire as a way of further understanding who he who she's becoming and i think that is very human in a sense regardless of her being turned into what's known as the undead because in many ways a human being is not going to be the same person they were the day before They're, human beings are in a constant state of change and i think by acknowledging that through this process of a constant state of change, we are further trying to understand ourselves in addition to our own reason for existing and continuing our existence. Maybe we can achieve some sense of clarity. And I guess that's what I was trying to do with rewatching Helsing because I, as I said, 
I had a very mixed feelings about it over the years. And now that I've rewatched it, I've definitely have a much more clear view about it. Do I think it's a masterpiece? Well, it's as good as it's ever going to be because at the same time, the show is drenched with a level of ambiguity that you're never going to truly understand no matter how many times you watch it because there's going to be so many unanswered questions. And I don't think those unanswered questions were left open in the air just out of bad writing or because whoever wrote this show, I mean, yeah, whoever wrote this show or came up with the idea wrote themselves into a corner, but they fully understood that when you think about it, it's a show about vampires and secret government organizations within a, within, a, within a government that used to be an empire and that has multiple apparatuses of power. And when, you, and when it comes to intelligence or counterintelligence agencies, saying that everybody who works in them, even in the most shadowy parts, is an evil person is fundamentally absurd. It's like making the case that anybody who worked that everybody who works in the CIA or the FBI, despite the dark history of them, is evil or trying to accomplish some ultimate evil goal is absurd. I mean, yeah, the FBI and the CIA had assholes like Alan Dulles and J. Edgar Hoover as central figures, but to say that there aren't good people in those organizations is very biased, very stupid. I mean... You can make the case that the reason those organizations have so much complexity and controversy is a combination of corruption, incompetence, and just bad management. And I'm sure that there are people trying to manage them much more properly and on a much more moral level, but you have to also understand that's not a simple thing. And I think a show like Helsing, because it uses that counterintelligence angle along with its supernatural element, it's able to pull it off in a way where it really abides by the notion, by just the name of that song, Logos Naki, a world about rationality. And instead of using that as some dumb trope for something more zany, ridiculous, and bombastically, absurdly violent, like in many ways I felt the Ultimate series did in the episodes I watched just for the sake of style, it really helps it really helps it. And I don't think Helsing is at the level of Cowboy Bebop. I don't believe it's at Evangelion's level. I don't believe it's at Berserk's level. Because I think Berserk explores the idea of nihilism and causality in a much more brilliant sense. But I do feel that Helsing is underappreciated in many ways. I mean, it's not, sty it's not being cool for the sake of being cool. But it certainly enjoys being cool in a way where it doesn't have to try too hard. It just accepts the fact that that is one of its core strengths, especially when its narrative is based on a lack of, of real reason, rationality. Because when you look at the situation all the characters are in, you got to ask yourself, why do they go on? Why do they continue doing the shit they do? Whether we're talking about Sarah's Victoria, who has had her whole life changed because she willfully accepted Alucard turning her into a vampire just so she could go on living, even though she's not going to enjoy living life like she used to as a human. She can't enjoy eating the things she used to eat. She can't go out in daylight. And pretty much, she is based pretty much a creature of the night. And Alucard is 
a virtually immortal, unstoppable vampire with an infinite measure of power that he has to apparently restrict. But he's also secretly looking for opponent, an opponent that can kill him. And that's most likely because he is probably tired of living, or at least not tired of living so much as he's, he's come to the conclusion that his immortality, as great as it is and how it permits him to, to experience one form of entertainment after the other, it's also spoiled the fact that he's never, he's he's never going to die. And it's going to be rare for him to find any real surprises. And I guess the closest thing he's been able to rationalize in the irrational world he lives in, and obviously he's witnessed as an immortal vampire, is that he hopes to find an opponent strong enough to potentially kill him, hence ending the cycle of immortality of which he has been condemned to. As for Integra, well, I mean, she's a young woman in a man's world, in a, in, a, more, in a man's world that is based on all sorts of hierarchies, and she's running an organization that isn't very well, well, it's, it's respected by the fact that it works in the British government under the orders of the queen. But at the same time, all the other institute, all the other intelligence agencies working within the British government do not like how she operates. They don't like the kinds of just uh, jurisdictional breaches her organization can perform. They just don't like her overall. And they even go out of their way to make it difficult for her in cer at certain moments. That she, you must want, and let's face it, she's fighting the undead. So basically, no matter what, what she does, Helsing's mission will never truly end. Whether it's the artificial vampires or whether it's another organization or some undead force that they have yet to face or comprehend or even read, research or learn about. It's essentially, in some ways, a zero-sum game, and yet she continues. And I think that was brilliantly explored in episode 10, where it's, explore, where it's going back and looking back at her past and the kind of person she was, what motivated her, and I was clearly the respect and love for, she had for her father and her family's lineage. But it also goes back to that she's driven by a, an incredibly powerful, powerful will that just refuses to give up in spite of the insanity, in spite of the irrationality of her journey. Because, as I said, she's fighting the undead, which in many ways, even if she's able to kill one horde of demons, another horde of demons will emerge or some other supernatural force that is beyond comprehension and that's a perfect way of looking at life in many ways because I believe what the philosopher Sam Harris said when he mentioned that the universe is far more intelligent than we are that and that's just a way of saying that there are just so many things we don't understand that acting as if we know everything is just arrogant and although it is very humble to admit this it can be daunting because then that just means that it just means that you have to constantly reevaluate and redefine how you find purpose in a world that only pretends to be or only acts rational just to establish some sense of order as opposed to fully embracing the chaos that that overwhelms it. But it's also just a way of just 
Oh god, I actually almost lost my train of thought there, but he's basically just saying that reevaluating it redefines the idea of how to f define purpose because living with a sense of objectivity can be very dangerous and mentally toxic. Now, that's just how I look at Helsing. It is an experimentation in confronting the irrationality that defines the modern world we live in, which is in a constant state of change, constant state of reevaluating the subjectivity in which we, we perceive our reality, because, I mean, we could argue that there is an objective reality or a reality that at least operates on some measure of objectivity, but because we all have our individual perceptions of it, it only makes you question what the idea of purpose is or whether there really is a purpose to life. I personally don't believe that there is a purpose to life. I think that, well, at least not an objective one where it's, it's clearly defined, written down some holy book, some stone tablet, or just illustrated by some wise guru. I believe that the purpose of life really is just to find purpose. That's it. I mean... It's basically not, it's more like positive nihilism and anybody who's read about nihilism or just heard the term and has a vague idea of what it means, it does mean that there, that nothing has any inherent value. But that's often given a very negative connotation as opposed to a, a much more open-ended one where it can also have a positive one, but because nothing really has any value, all, everything goes. But that doesn't have to be bad. That can always be a good thing. Because if something doesn't have any inherent value, that leaves opportunity for you to give it real value. It's kind of like this review right now that I'm doing for the show Helsing. I had no idea what the fuck I was going to talk about. And I even had some hesitation about doing it because, look, I can only babble for on for so long talking about a TV, an anime show I really enjoyed revisiting and gaining a better understanding of how to approach the show. And I have to give a shout out for the YouTuber Bonsai Pop because in many ways his review did help and inspire me to better understand of how to watch the show. Not necessarily how to do this review so much as how to view the show from a much more open-minded way of saying that it's just pure randomness, it's just pure style. But then again, there are times where there are a multitude of styles within media that can reinterpret of how you can appreciate it as opposed to just how you could dislike it. It's kind of like story structure. I mean, I think anybody who is a storyteller or who understands the idea of structure within the stories that are written or crafted is that the free act structure model is kind of is not is not necessarily relevant, but it's all but it's not the objective way of how to go, go about making a story. I mean, there are a multitude of, of act structure, no, act structure approaches. I mean, there are stories of four act structures, five act structures, or even six act structures. I've never written that kind of structure, but again, that does just, that only opens the door for how you can tell a story in a much more open-ended sense rather than simply believing that because one way has worked for such a long time and still does continue to work, then that's the only way. Anyway, I'm actually reaching that point where I'm realizing that I've babbled on for too long. I really enjoyed making this episode because, again, I went into it with a lot of hesitation or no sense of idea of what was the purpose 
of talking about a show that ironically is all about acknowledging that there might not be any real purpose and the only way to make sense out of it is to find purpose is the best way of justifying it. Uh, it's a little, maybe a little too meta even for me. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Open Door Films, my review of Helsing. Check out, please like, subscribe to this podcast. Uh, check out the sponsors being, being a Spotify for Podcasters, which is a podcasting app that allows you to create your own podcast and distribute it across all the platforms. And that includes the, 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 sponsor, the second sponsor of this podcast, that being Anchor which is a podcasting app that allows you to earn Bitcoin while you listen to your favorite podcasts. I mean, it's pretty much like as if you were to go to the movies, but instead of paying for a ticket, you're being paid to watch the movie. And that just goes with the podcast, the value for volume model. Also, check out the Bitcoin buying affiliates I've left down below because I really like the idea of not just Bitcoin, but I like the idea that anybody who thinks this podcast is worth listening and giving a, a like to can earn some extra money by clicking on the links down below. Because even just by signing up to these links, you get a reward instantly, and so do I. So it's a win-win for both of us. Anyway, till next time.